Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I'm always fascinated how God weaves together the body. So we were worshiping God today, and there were attributes we were focusing on. Anybody want, what kind of attributes were we focused on as we worship? Power. What is it? What did I hear? Holiness. Holiness. Grace. Grace. Sovereignty. Sovereignty. I can't spell that, so we'll just wiggle. Awesome. Sovereignty. Yeah. What else? Almighty. Almightiness. Yep. Almighty. Eternity. All right. So most of these are really big, right? Really big. But, you know, Jesus said to Philip, when Philip said, show us the father, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And I don't know about you, but Jesus walking on earth probably didn't look like the God who formed the universe. Does that make sense? Right? Okay. So stay with me on something. I want, I want to, I want to try to map something here and um, that's unmappable, so pray for me. Okay, so the thing about it is, is we have all these names of God, and I love that Marina was calling them out. One of the most powerful names of God is Yahweh, right? It means the God who is. He's the ground of being. Nothing exists except for him. In him, we live and move and have our being. Like, literally, all of, all of reality is rooted in him. That's, you can't get any bigger than that, Right? And over on this side, we see Jesus, right? All of the power of the the eternity in one person. Anybody see? Okay, so, and we, and in fact, um, Isaiah calls him what? Emmanuel, which is God with us. Um, We had, uh, uh, Marina called out, she said, um, Adonai, which is Lord. Uh, El Shaddai, which is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies. Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah which is Yahweh. That, that's another way of saying Yahweh that they came up with because the Germans can't say a Y, so they put a J. But yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I learn something new every day. <laughs> They're like, Yahweh. Yeah, anyway, okay. So El Shaddai, over here, you know, one of the great things is uh, Jehovah Nisi. What does that mean? Anybody? He's the God who sees. Who sees me. It's very personal. Hagar says, he is the God who sees me all by myself. Right? Then another one, Jehovah Rapha. God, Yahweh Yah Rapha. What does that mean? Healer. Again, I don't know about you, but healing is always personal. Right? If, you're, if I'm sick, it's... Right? So over here, we have this... We have this spectrum that goes from infinity. Jehovah Jireh. We were just praying for the God who is my provider, right? Right? That, what is that? Yahweh Yireh is the God who provides for my needs. So, so somewhere on here, we see this scale that goes all the way from infinity to one. Anybody remember when you learned about infinity in school and your brain broke? 
And you're like, wait, 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 wait. So what comes after infinity? That's always the next question. What's infinity plus one? Infinity. No, 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 right? No, what's infinity times infinity? Infinity. What? Right? Infinity to one. None of us can contain that in our heads. Does that make sense? Okay, so anybody had this experience? You are in a season where Jesus is so tender and compassionate and loving and cuddly. Anybody been in that season? And your friend is over in this place. No, he is God Almighty. Do not get comfortable with a God Almighty. Anybody been in that place? And you're like, no, but he's cuddly, right? Nobody? Okay, okay, stay with me. This is really important. This is important to understand something. We are unable to process his unbelievable greatness, right? On one side, he is all holy. And on the other thing, he takes all of our sins upon himself. What? On one side, he is enthroned in darkness. And yet, he is light itself. Like we have this thing where our brains break and we struggle. And what happens is life shows us the cracks in this. Now, outside of this, there are what I like, what are called gods of our own imagining. Isaiah 44, he talks about this whole thing. You go get a block of wood, you carve it, you shape it, and then you bow down to it. So a God in our own image. So because we can't process this gap between here and here, in our boredom, we fill in the gaps. Anybody? Anybody figured it, made a God in your own image? Nobody? You know how you can tell a God in your own image? Because he breaks. Okay, so what we do is we have this, this, this um, range, if you will. So one side is he is good. And powerful. So actually the other way around. He is good and weak, or he is powerful and bad. This is called the problem of evil, right? If God is all powerful, right, then why are there bad things in the world? Right? Anybody here? You're in a really bad situation, you cry out to God, nothing happens, and what is your take on God at that moment? Come on, just be honest with me. Where are you? Huh? He doesn't care. He abandoned me. He's bad. He may be powerful, but he's bad. Right? Or he's good, but he can't do anything for me. Wow, this is getting uncomfortable fast. Are you tracking with me? This is not where we're going to end, by the way, just so you know. People are like, whoa. Okay, but this... You can always plot a God in our own image because he will fall on this spectrum somewhere. Not really powerful, not really weak. Now, we've just seen horrible things in the last two years in Ukraine, horrible things in the last two weeks in Israel and Palestine. And who here found your God somewhere here? Being honest. Where were you, God? Now, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to get to the end at the beginning, but here's the deal. I love this. I heard this years ago, and it's so true. If you are struggling with a God in your own image, which falls somewhere on here, first of all, you got to be honest. you got to be honest. I don't see you the way you are. Then grab you the Psalms. Uh, anybody love David? Because he says what we're thinking. 
He's like, God, if you are truly good, then why do the evil prosper? (laughs) Right? I love it. He's like foaming at the mouth half the time. I love it. But then you walk with him and he comes out into a place where infinity in one, but you alone are holy and you love me. We can't get there on our own. We cannot, we will always in our own effort dumb God down to the level of our own understanding. If you guys got Bibles, open up to Isaiah chapter 55. He starts out at the beginning of this. He says, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. So who can come to God? All who are? What does it take to be thirsty? Not to have water. water. That's one. What's that? Desire. Desire. Need. Desire. And I'm going to throw one more. Admit you have need. Right? Who are my people that are like, God, you know my need? but I hope nobody else does, <laughs> right? No, come to me all. So Jesus sets up a little sign, says, thirsty over here. And everybody's like, you go first, you go first, right? But who can come? All who are thirsty, come to the waters and all you who have no money. Where are the broke people? Broke, thirsty people over here, right? Broke, thirsty, right? Come buy milk, wine and milk without money and without cost. Anybody think this is confusing? Buy without money or cost. Stay with it. Why spend money on what is not bread, your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. Eat what is good. You will delight in the richest affair. So here's the thing is, if we are going to encounter a God who doesn't reside here, but he resides, see, I need a God who is infinitely powerful, infinitely good, and infinitely loving to me. True? Like, I need that. But if I'm the only way I'm going to get that is if I do not, oh, I don't live in my own understanding. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised David. Stay with me. Do you know what a covenant is? In the ancient world, weak people, powerful people only made uh, covenants with weak people to dominate and control them. The covenant God does is as the all-powerful one, he lays all of his power down to serve us. This is, makes no sense. In our minds, it does, but it doesn't make any sense. In the ancient world, you say, God wants to make a covenant with me? Yes, please, what? My faithful love, that's hesed. This is the self-giving love of a more powerful person to someone who can give them nothing in return. See, I have made him, David, a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commanders of the nations. Surely you will summon nations. You do not know nations who do not, you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, who has endowed you with splendor. So, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways, the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God who will freely pardon. Stay with me. Why? Because see, none of this makes sense. If he is a holy God, how can he pardon sin? See? 
if he is, and it not mess with his holiness. If he is truly, but he says, but listen, here's how I can do it. Because my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, as uh, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay, so watch what happens. Over and over again, God shows us something, and we, in our humanity, gravitate to one end of the spectrum or the other. Does that make sense? God shows up, and he is good. We're going to slide unintentionally toward the cuddle zone. Anybody know somebody in your life, you're like, they are way too comfortable with Jesus. (laughs) No nudging. And then you, or... You can see his power and might, and you're going to gravitate to this end. And you're like, guys, you don't understand. You can draw near to him. You, he is, he's available. You can draw near to him. They're like, oh, he's too mighty. He's too wonderful. He's too powerful. Nobody? You ever judged anybody for their view of God? Today? Okay, good. All right, so here's the thing. That God is constantly warring with us to draw us to this radical middle place. This radical middle place. So why? So a great example. So if you guys remember the book of Job, you guys know the book of Job? Let me just dumb down the book of Job. It is not to explain where evil comes from. That's not the point of the book of Job. So don't get it twisted, okay? Because the end of the book tells us everything. You know what the end of the book says? God finally shows up. Job's friends have been throwing him under the bus. Job has been throwing God under the bus. And God shows up. God goes, where were you when I strung the stars of Orion's belt? Uh... Why? See, they had a God who was transactional. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What's a transactional God? Anybody here made a deal with God? If I do X, you do Y. Okay, okay, let me give you another example. God, why are you doing this to me? I've done A, B, C, D. Okay, right? That's transactional. Do you know what transactional love is called? Prostitution. Exactly. Not recommended. Okay? Hear me on this. Do you think God wants to settle for that level of relationship? It's not a trick question. No. God does not want. Now, here, who here? Who here? You have given someone a gift to show them love, and they turned it into a transaction. No? Nobody? Or tried to figure out how to get you to give them another one. But what did I do? Anybody who have ever had children, right? You know? Like, you know, like, no, but what happens is in this place is this this transactional thing, it starts out there, but it doesn't end there. And the great example, so first thing is God is saying, Job is actually the oldest book in the Bible, by the way. It actually predates um, the uh, the Pentateuch. Uh, Moses is the one who wrote it down, but it, it literally speaks. And so the first thing he's trying to say is, I am not one of these gods. That's the first step. I'm not a God that you can conjure up like a genie. I'm not a God that you can make do what you want to do. Don't get it twisted. Why? Because I, if I'm going to be who you need me to be, I can't be anywhere in here. I have to be. And so the, the root of holiness is actually not morality. It is completely other. I am not like you. Don't get it twisted. Why? Because powerful but bad, Zeus. Right? 
Like the gods of this world are made in our own image. They are powerful and capricious. And God's like, I do not change. But just because I do not change doesn't mean you can put me in a box. And I surely am not a genie that you rub, right? Anytime I, God has a little joke with me, every time I start to get transactional with him, he whispers to me, super cosmic power. In any little living space. You guys know that from Aladdin, the genie? He's like, I'm not a genie. And I love how, how C.S. Lewis says, when Lucy goes, hears that Aslan's a lion, she goes to Tumnus, she goes, oh, is he tame? Is he safe? Oh, no. But he's good. <laughs> he is not a tame lion. He is not safe. He is dangerous. And you won't get out alive. But he is good. He is for you. Anybody here, you were begging, demanding of God, and then God brought something better to you than the thing you were demanding for? Come on. Isn't it good that he loves you better than you love yourself? Right? But this whole transactional thing, so you actually see this with the people of Israel, right? They've been whining and complaining to God for 400 years. Anybody been doing that? You know what I'm talking about? So if you whine and complain to God for 400 years, what kind of vision of God do you end up with? Not a good one, right? So he's either powerful and bad or can't help me and good, right? And so what does God do? The first thing he shows up is he destroys every god in Egypt. The, 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 uh, the plagues of Egypt are literally, he dethrones every single god in the pantheon of Egypt that they have been worshiping. Why? Because when God is somewhere in here, we start worshiping other gods. Anybody? Well, if you're not gonna come through me for me financially, I'll take care of it from here. If you won't come through me for me for a, a, a man or a woman or a child or whatever, I'll do it on my own, right? Hagar, Ishmael, right? So the whole thing is, is he says, first of all, you got to understand, I am not any of these, right? And then he gets them out into, Egypt, out into the desert and he feeds them, right? Gives them food, gives them water, defends them, sinks their enemies. And he goes, okay, guys, but lest you think you did this, he goes, Moses, come up on the mountain. But tell them if they come up on the mountain, they will die. God don't play. Anybody found God don't play? God don't play. He is not a God to be trifled with. He is not a God that we can manipulate or twist around our finger. He is God Almighty. He sits there and goes, Moses, we good? We good? Oh, we good. All right. Great. I just need you to know I am holy, but I'm going to put the holiness in a way that you can understand just 10 commandments. Super simple. He even gave you 10 fingers. Isn't that nice of him? Right? Shouldn't be hard to keep track of. Just 10. Just to give you an idea what I look like. Okay. You ready, Moses? Okay, good. Now tell the people to come up. Now remember, he just told them, don't come up or you die. Now he says, come on up. I want a relationship with you. Now that you understand I am God, then you will understand how powerful it is that I invite you into relationship. Anybody done something magnanimous for someone and, uh, and the person treated it like, yeah, no, duh, I deserve it. <laughs> Nobody? Right? That, God's like, I need you to understand how massive it is. I am the God of the universe, thunder and lightning, and yet I invite you up. What? And what do they say? Oh, no, Moses. No, no, we don't trust him. He's too scary. You, 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 just tell, give us, give us the rules so we can keep them. Because we think he's powerful and bad. See, 
And then you see this thing throughout the entirety of the scripture of this, this thing where God is doing something where you goes back and forth in a way or around the mountain from massive, eternal to close, tender. One of my favorites is, is John. John, you guys remember John was the disciple who? And what did he do at the Last Supper? He leaned his head against the chest. Right? Like he was getting cozy with Jesus. I don't know of any more level of this there is, right? Like he's just, you know, this is the Jesus who said, let the children come to me. Let's have playtime. This is God Almighty, but this is Jesus. And if we're not careful, we're going to end up with a schizophrenic God. He's not. Or we're going to end up with a pantheon of gods. The God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament. No, it is one God, but he will confound our understanding. And we've got to be okay with that. But stay with me. But I love it. How does John? John meets Jesus. Revelation chapter 1. You want to see Jesus? This is the man you laid your head against his chest. Oh, man. He said, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among them was dressed with someone like a son of man. Talking about from Ezekiel. And the with dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. And the hair of his head was white like wool and as white as snow and his eyes like blazing fire. And his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice like the sound of seven of rushing waters. And in his right hand, he held seven stars. Out of his mouth came a sharp (laughs) double-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Let's just get cuddly. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. God will constantly confound who we have known him to be so he can be who he needs us to be, who he needs to be for us. Does that make sense? Now, here's the problem. Who here has gotten in the weeds by judging someone else's encounter with God? Nobody? Just three of us? We'll have a media afterwards. We'll move on. Well, 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 what about him, Jesus? If I, what about it, Peter? What is that to you? You follow me. God knows what you need. Maybe your neighbor needs to know that he cares for their, their deepest need, that he truly sees them, that he knows them. But you need to know him as all-powerful and mighty. And so maybe you need to know that he is good and tender and compassionate. Or maybe you need to know him as a God of justice. And again, I love the Psalms. The Psalms are so amazing for this because the Psalms, over and over again, David starts out in one place and ends up in the other. Because we need a God who is not in here, but here. And so what we will do for all eternity, it says we have all everything we need for life and godliness through what? Through the knowledge, through knowing him. You know what that knowing word, another word for it is? Intimate relations. Not experiential knowledge, not information knowledge. Who are my information people? I'm going to say this. Paul said this amazing phrase, and it's it's tormented me my whole life. (laughs) Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Who are my knowledge people? 
Knowledge is power, right? No, no. Any encounter, revelation, experience that I have that does not lead me to acts of obedience will puff me up. Love, right? Love is obedience. If you love me, you will obey my commands. Any act, any encounter I have that does not lead me to specific acts of obedience will cause me to be puffed up. In other words, there's nothing to show for it. And that is the knowing. The knowing is the actions as I go round the mountain and he goes, okay, you've known me as almighty. I need you to know me as tender and compassionate. You've known me as, you know, closer than a friend. Closer than a brother, now I need you to know me as the one who strung the stars in the heavens. Because if not, we will end up back here over and over again. And God will confront us. But as we go up the mountain for all eternity, we will be exploring this. As anybody here, you just had a glimpse of God and it blew your mind? Yeah. He wants to keep doing that for all eternity. Why? Because the world, it says, Paul says it this way. He said, the world, the creation is groaning, longing for what? The sons and daughters of God to appear. Do you know what a son or a daughter of God looks like? Their daddy. How will we look? It says, when we behold him, we become like him. As we discover who he is, we discover who we are in him and his nature and his his, his, we will be both tender and compassionate and holy. Does that make sense? We will be righteous and yet we will become, we will sit with sinners. Does that make sense? We will look like our father, but this, but who here, who here, who here, who here thought you arrived at some point, right? And you're like, let's camp here. Three tenths would be nice, Right? And then suddenly God showed you your heart because he took you a little further and he showed you that you were just as transactional with him as anybody else. No? No? Okay. So I'll just talk about myself. Say. Okay, I'm with you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't, I'm glad somebody's not leaving me hanging. All right. Okay. So my knees. My knees, right? You know, I, you've heard a thousand times. My knees, from 1991, I struggled with knees. You know how many conversations I had with Jesus about my knees? Way more than I had about you all or anybody else, right? You know, like, I'm like, I'm like okay, Jesus, what's it going to take? Right? Do you want some act of obedience? I can do that. How about an act of sacrifice? I can do that, right? And I have prayed for people, tens of people, who've had horrific knees, who got healed, and I was not healed. Anybody here want to argue with Jesus at that point? But Peter, do you love me more than these? That was not the question. (laughs) Jesus, but let me tell you this. More than whatever you're waiting for on breakthrough, Jesus wants paid for one thing and one thing on the cross, and it was relationship with you and me. That's what he died for. He didn't die to give us the lottery numbers. He didn't die so everything would be hunky-dory. Yes, we do go about doing good and destroying all the works of the devil. Yes, we do let his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But that's a byproduct of relationship. And at any point when we're willing to throw away relationship to get those things, guess what God will do? Anybody found that? 
So here's my question for all of us today. Here's my question. Where is God for you today? Where is your God? Now, all of us, so let, let me first be good, nice to y'all, okay? I'll be nice. Which side is your God, if you've got to be honest? Is your God Yahweh, Adonai, El Shaddai, boom, 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 out of the dark, dark night with the horrible vengeance, right? Like Psalm 19, he roars in on the clouds, right? Okay, all right. Oh, who am I? I'll be honest, the closest thing I can get is cuddly Jesus, right? He's got a terry cloth robe, you know, he's got a little fluffy lamb. You're the fluffy lamb. He's already bleached the, you know, the, the wool. Nobody, anybody, you know, the Sunday school picture? Right. Okay, all right, okay, now we're honest, okay. Now, first of all, I'm staying nice. I'll get mean in a second, don't worry. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> the first thing is, I want to say is, whichever side of that equation you're on, I submit to you, God is calling you to this, and we tend to fight him. <laughs> Anybody? But God, you showed me you were tender and compassionate. God's like, I need you to hold on to my goodness and my love towards you even as I reveal my holiness and my might. Okay? Holding on to both. Okay, who here judged your parents growing up? Anybody doesn't hold up their hand is lying. I mean, it's just, it's just the nature of the beast. It's like, it's, the, it's one of the privileges they write in the contract of being a kid, right? You know, my parents suck. My parents are horrible. My parents are blah, 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 blah. Who here reached some measure of adulthood and some dawning awareness that they may not be the worst people that ever lived? Started to happen. Yeah, yeah. You're like, you're like but you might be. No, anyway, no. No, but it, the thing about it is, is it looked like who here has been disciplined and later rejoiced that you were disciplined, but in the moment thought they were being personally vindictive, Right? Sometimes God's like, I need you to know that I am loved, but I'm going to discipline you. Hebrews said, he disciplines those he loves. Gary and I were just talking about this wonderful thing that anybody here discovered that his grace is sufficient and that you can risk trying to follow him because you know if you mess up, he's going to, his grace will cover and discipline you. <laughs> Nobody? You know what I'm talking about? He will both help you clean up the mess, but he'll uh, let you know it wasn't a good idea. Right? No, he is so right. He, is, he wants to show you compassion and discipline, and they're not at war with one another. They're one and the same. But nothing reveals the, the, the degree to which I have built an idol of my own making around God than when I watch the news. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Here's why. Here's why. This is just real why. Because the news is theoretical and really like black and white. Anybody watch the news? The news is always, we talked about this last week, villain and hero, right? Always. It's like, and what rises up in you in that moment? Who are my justice people? Rage. I will count me in. I'm in, Lord. Take me. I will... I'll tread the wine press for you, Jesus. And Jesus is like, I do that. Okay, I do that. I'll help you, Lord. No, the thing about it is, is that when I do that, suddenly I will find myself sliding radically to one of these, won't I? I end up with a God who is violent and vindictive. 
but I like it because he's for me today. Right? No? Nobody? You're like, kill them all. You know? It's like, do you hear yourself now? Or the other side, which is like, my God is not good because these horrible things are happening. Nobody? I don't know about you, but I'm kind of a go-getter. I can do both of those simultaneously. (laughs) I have two gods. Yeah, right? No. And God will challenge us with that. And that's one of the reasons why, again, I love Psalms. Anybody here read Psalms in the last two weeks and found it spoke directly to what's happening right now in the Middle East? I love I, uh, Psalm 2. It says that, that they, can, they, they um, it said that why do the kings rage and plot evil against the Lord and his anointed? And what does God say about him? He goes, but the Lord sits in heaven and laughs. Like, that's all you're doing? Oh, is that really it? See, God cannot be impressed with evil. Or he is not impressed with the power of the cross. Because the power of the cross triumphs over evil. But then we see in, in, in Psalm 3 the same thing where David's on the other side going, Why? What's going on with the evil? I love the Psalms because they're real enough to allow us to wrestle. Because the only way we hold on to these two extremes is by wrestling. Does that make sense? It doesn't happen automatically. Automatically, this happens. Hmm? Null and void. Null and void. And let me tell you this. I cannot have a relationship with one of these gods. I can't. I need a God who has drawn near. I love Hebrews says he is the exact representation of the Father. And then he says, but we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness because he was what tempted in every way as we are you know what the definition of temptation is you want it it's not temptation if you don't want it right like don't tempt me with faux turkey (laughs) you know what i mean like i'm not tempted i'm okay like that's not a temptation it means that even though he was god in the flesh even though when he was offered the opportunities to, to take matters into his own hand, make his own way, feed his own flesh, he was sorely tempted. <gasps> he has compassion for me. He's not sitting up in a throne saying, come on, get it together, right? He in fact said, I know you can't get it together and that's why I sent my son to die for you. I knew you couldn't. So I am God Almighty, and yet I draw near. That's what makes this thing I've done meaningful. That's what makes it powerful. That's what makes it beautiful. But when we get pulled into this space, we lose it, don't we? What's the black and white that happens in this place when I watch the news? Anybody? Gloom? What else does it look like for when? Anxiety, yes, yes. Anxiety means I'm attempting to have power where I have no power. Yeah. Danger, danger right? I'm, I am, who here? I'm afraid. I'm in danger. I'm going to tell you this about Masha. <laughs> Masha went to Turkey, you guys know, right when all this is breaking out, because that's what you do. By the way, do you guys remember in the middle of COVID, we went to Mexico? Same <laughs> deal. Like when we bought the tickets, Mexico was closed. I said, God, is this a good idea? He said, yeah, they're cheap. 
because nobody's going there. We got there. It was the best vacation ever because they wouldn't, they would only fill the, the resort halfway, but you got like quadruple the level of service. It was amazing. They actually closed our resort. And I was like, God, is this a good idea? Because we arrived in the middle of nowhere and they were like, the resort was closed. And I was like, Jesus, Jesus, you said this was a good idea. And he said, hold still. I was like, I will defend my wife and child because we're in the middle of nowhere and we're about to be taken by the cartels. Anybody, anybody heard the, the word of the Lord over your life? You know? And, uh, and God goes, put a sock in it. <laughs> Chill for a second. I was like, anybody here, sometimes obedience is doing nothing because anything you are going to do is going to be stupid, right? It's not that you're genius. You just, and he said, let me work. And they worked it all out. Next thing you know, they took us, we were at the introductory level resort. They took us to the ultimate resort. Then we got there and they were like, can we give you this other room? And I, I've been, anybody here upsell? You like avoid the, the condominium upsell? No. And I was like, oh, no, no. And they're like, no, we want to give it to you for free. I was like, okay, take it away. I was like, no. I mean, literally God made this incredible, res- we will never, I mean, I'd say never, but I, I mean, apart from, all right, I, my faith is poor, but I'm just saying we are not in that class. We're not in that class. God gave us, why? Because we went straight against fear. Masha goes to Turkey. Again, people are like, oh, is this a good idea? I said, well, you know, Turkey's kind of like, you know, like a hurricane hits Florida and you live in New York. It's not a big deal. Masha got on the plane in uh, one city, went to the next, went to Istanbul. When she got on the plane in Istanbul, just a couple hours later, I pulled it up. Apparently, two hours before she left her city in Turkey, the U.S. State Department just said, all of our employees, please stay home. It's not safe in Turkey. God goes, isn't this awesome? I was like, what? He goes, you never had a chance to worry. Not that, and what did Jesus say? Worry, do not worry because you cannot do what? You can't by any of your power add one day to your life, right? There's this thing, I, I want to say this. You have a God who cares about you more than you can ever imagine. And he's powerful enough to do what it takes. But who here has complained to God that he is not good and he is not loving and he is not powerful or he would have done A, B, C, D? So here's my question. So repentance means two things. Oftentimes we talk about a change of action, but action always follows thought, hopefully. You think before you do things, hopefully, right? So, so repentance actually begins here, where I turn from my thought patterns to his thought patterns. I choose to lay down my own understanding, and I pick up his, right? You know, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness in all your ways, right? Acknowledge him, right? Watch this. Watch what happens. But when I change my mind, I begin to walk where he wants me to walk. And so if he is changing my mind today, it's going to look like specific action. Not the whole journey. Who here, who here has told God, I will go if you give me the whole journey? You're still waiting, aren't you? Right? You know, like, no, no. What, what does he do? He said, my, my, your word, David said, is a lamp unto my feet. Have you seen what those little lamps are? Like, they're not even good for your path. You kind of have to scooch down and go like this. They, get, they give out this very poor light. 
Your word gives me the next step and then the next step and the next step and the next step. I choose to follow you. So here's my question for each of us. Which side are you on? Okay, so he's calling us to embrace the other. Here's my question. God, what are you calling me to do? To repent of my understanding then and embrace the truth of who you say you are. And second, what are you calling me to do practically today? Now, remember what we said. Obedience is going to be what? First, it's going to be... First of all, it should be doable. Yes? If it's not doable, then it's... Yeah, I know. Some of you were here. Everybody else gets a pass. Right? So obedience, first of all, is doable. Measurable. It's verifiable. Right? But then it's shareable. So first of all is... My question is, what is God calling you, what is he calling me to do to confront the lies I believe about him, the, the, the lack of understanding I have? And second of all, what is he wanting me to do specifically? Okay, I'll help you out because I, as I was doing this, God goes, what about you, Peter? I was like, oh, yeah. By the way, you should know, I, 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 whenever I'm up here, I'm not speaking from a high place. I'm just repenting before you get there. I'm in the middle of my own repentance, right? So what he said to me, he said, Peter, I need you to go back through the Psalms of David. And I need you to pay attention to where your thinking is wrong. Where your thinking is based upon your experience and your emotions and your own reasoning rather than who I say I am. And pay attention to what makes you uncomfortable. So, but see, that's still too big. There's like 70 Psalms. So what would be doable? A psalm a day keeps the doctor away. I would go even further back. How about one psalm? Let's start with one psalm, one day, right? One obedience, one obedience, doable, verifiable. And then I've made the mistake of sharing it with you all. How is that helpful if I share with you my obedience? Accountability. Accountability. This is why it's important that your, your obediences are small enough and doable enough. Anybody here made a massive declaration of what you were going to do for God? And then it was too big. And then like people asked you about it. <laughs> right? No, 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 no. I'm gonna, okay. Side note, side note. I, I'm, I'm going to out myself. Who are people like me or that you love making massive declarations of what God has shown you, but then never do it? Sorry. Okay. That was too awkward. Okay. People are like, am I allowed to raise my hand for that? Okay. Here's why. This is the why behind it. When I tell you a massive thing I'm going to do, I've already reaped the benefit because I'm like, don't you think I'm awesome that I'm going to go do this? Nobody? And, but now that I've reaped the goodness, what's the point in doing this hard, huge thing? Right? I can't manage to get up. So let me say this. Way better, small obedience... And share, and, and then at a time, and go from glory to glory. Does that make sense? Yes. So here's my question for you. What is the small obedience he's calling you to do? That's not glorious. One psalm, is that glorious? 
No, is, is it doable? Yes. Can you ask me about it? Yes. Not in shame, but how's that going, right? One psalm, is that doable? Yes. Because guess what happens if I do one psalm? <laughs> I could probably do another one. I could probably do another one, right? When we do these small acts of obedience, then they do it. Because I want to tell you this, all the revelation of God's nature is pointless if it does not lead to obedience. Because without, I mean, who here has had somebody tell you that they love you? And you're like, I bet, right? Why would you say, I bet, when they said, I love you? Doubt? Why, would, why do we have doubt? Actions, right? Right? Because I have an idea of what it would look like if you loved me. Now, granted, God says he loves us, and we doubt that all the time. So I would submit that maybe sometimes when we doubt the love of other people, it has more to do with us than with them. Just put that in there and smoke it. But moving on, but what I want to say about God is, is that if I, tr- if I truly am seeing him as something, it's going to lead me to an, a concrete act of obedience. Who here has gone to a, a service, had the most incredible time in your life, been fundamentally transformed, walked out, and weren't transformed at all? Two of us. I'll wait. Four. We're moving fast. Do you know why you can be so massively transformed and encounter God in a service and go out and not be transformed? Is because of the lack of obedience. Or because we gave ourselves an obedience that was too big. But if we will take small steps of obedience, he will bring us because we cannot hold these in our own, but we must because the world deserves an encounter with an almighty God who loves us. All right, come on. Man, I, can I just say this? Did you notice how the worship was just so massive? Like, like we can't make this up. I mean, that was just, as she's calling out the names of God, I'm like, yes, of course. Um, this is what God does. If we can have the worship team come up. As we go into worship, I want to challenge us to do t- something. Let us encounter him who he is on whichever side end of the spectrum he's calling us to move towards. And the second thing is ask God to make our hearts vulnerable to that doable obedience. If we can stand, Father, I thank you that you are good. You are loving. You are kind. You are so kind that even though you are God Almighty, you draw near to us. Even though you are unintelligible and unknowable and surrounded by light, Yet you have drawn near as a man, Jesus. Lord, this is too wonderful for us to comprehend, but we open our hearts to hear you today. In your name, amen. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.